Black joy and bootstraps The podcast that you really need Helping my black community Good vibes, good energy Black joy and bootstraps Top financial literacy Love and education Wanna see my people elevated yeah. Hello and welcome to another episode of Black Joy and Bootstraps. I am your host, Felicia Jimenez, and I am on today with Rashad Muhammad. Rashad, can you say hello for the folks? Hey, how's everybody doing today? Hey. So, um, y'all listen, today we are going to be talking all about real estate, buying a home. Uh, And I just wanted you to know, hopefully what you'll gain from this today is uh, basically just gaining a foundation of what buying a home entails because I, um, my husband and I, we own a home and there's still so much y'all so much that I don't even know. And every year it comes up. So, uh, and also just what are the best practices and programs and all of that good stuff for owning a home? So I got to tell you how I got in contact with Rashad really quick. So a friend of mine posted on, uh, Facebook that they had just bought a home and, Uh, you know, they always, people love to tag their realtor, especially when they love their realtor. So I see this picture uh, of Rashad and I'm like, I love the post and everything that was said about how helpful he was. So I was like, bet, let me click on this man's post. I mean, on his page. So I click on Rashad's page and I was like, oh, oh, I got to interview this dude. Instantly, Rashad, I was like, yeah, this, this gonna be, I got to interview you. So um, I look on there and right under his picture, y'all know how Facebook is. It says husband, father, educator, activist, um, real, uh, real estate agent, I think something like, and I was like, oh, and then child advocate, right? And I was like, Yo, I already love this dude. I don't even know him. (laughs) But, you know, it was like a resume, right? So he had already sold me. Um, And then after talking to him, I was like, yeah, I really got to do this. So, um, Rashad, I have all the questions today. I'm going to get on your nerves today. Like, (laughs) it's going to be bad um, because homeownership is, it's difficult. Like, the whole process is difficult. So, anyway, um, let me just go ahead and get started. How about that? Um, Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, so uh, one of my friends asked this question, and I felt like, oh, my gosh, this is like the most basic of basic questions, so I really got to ask this because I have several friends that are real estate agents, right? Um, Mm. But she was like, yo, ask him, like, how do you even begin to choose a real estate agent? Like, what do I do? Where do I go? If I don't know anybody that's a real estate agent, like, where do I go and how do I know who to choose? I just want to start with that basic basic question that's a great question actually and you know it seems like everybody and their mama is a a realtor right so if you go on social media everybody's like oh i'm a realtor i got my real estate license Mm -hmm. i just passed my test you know but you know it's it's not the most difficult thing to become a realtor in texas like you just have to take a few classes you have to pay some fees pass some tests and voila you're a realtor that doesn't mean that you know all realtors aren't the same just like Every educator isn't the same. Mm -hmm. So I always tell people just to, you know, ask around. Everybody's going to have a referral. You know, Mm -hmm. know, everybody you know has somebody that has helped them. Right. And don't just go to the first person. You know, you just get a few recommendations and interview those people. Ooh, I never even thought of that. Yeah, like, you know, get, get two or three people from people that you really trust and interview them, ask mm-hmm. them questions, ask them, how are you going to help me find my dream home? Yeah. Or what sets you apart? 
it, today, it's so, like, word of mouth, and as it's always been, right? But, like, when I saw our mutual friend, when I saw Christian's post, I was like, oh, I got to know more, right? Because that's how word of mouth works. And I was like, I need to know more about Rashad because the way he spoke you up in that post was like, you did everything and went over and beyond. And I was like, I love that, right? And that's, especially as millennials, we like, we love transparency, right? Even if it's like, even if you're being transparent and telling me, hey, I'm lying to you, right? (laughs) Like, we still, we value transparency. So I was like, Yo, I really like that. So, okay, so even interview them. We can interview folks, get a couple uh, referrals, because regardless, we know people that have owned homes, right? Like, or own mm-hmm. homes. So that's a good thing. Ask them what they did and didn't like about their realtor also. Yeah, a- absolutely. So what is the job? Like, what is the role of a realtor? So if I need, because I know a lot of people try to like buy or sell their home on their own, but what is, what's you guys' job? What is your role? So our role, so I'm primarily a buyer's agent. You know, I have done a few listings. Mm-hmm. I enjoy buyers finding their dream home more than anything else. So more than being on a listing side, I enjoy helping buyers. I love it. And yeah, and most of them have, most of the people I have helped have not had any experience in the area. So they really, really were looking for somebody who can calm their nerves and someone yeah. who can just explain the process to them because it really is a, it really is a journey mm-hmm. and literally almost everybody I've helped had no idea how it works. Right. So we're, I, I look at it like we're matchmakers mm-hmm. and we are, you, you kind of have to view it like as a kindergarten teacher, somebody is coming to you. They don't have that previous knowledge and you just have to walk them through the step, steps and it, you have to be very, very patient with them. Yeah. And like I tell my clients, there's no such thing as a, a as a dumb question when it comes to, you know, real estate or, you know, really anything else in my mind. You know, and, I think that is, I appreciate you, like, leading with that because there, and I say this on every podcast, I know y'all get tired of hearing me saying it, but you just don't know what you don't know, you know? And so we go into this situation and buying a house is, that's like the biggest purchase you're ever going to make. I don't know, like, unless you're buying like, uh, like a commercial property, but like, there are few things for middle class, you know, people that you are going to purchase that's bigger than a home. The yeah. amount, the price, all of that, uh, the commitment, there's just so many things. And so and so many of us don't have the knowledge, and that's myself included, because, baby, when I get into these questions, you're going to be like, did she say she was a homeowner? She don't know this, right? So, <laughs> but I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and like, like, I keep getting explained the same things every year because... A lot of times they only come up once a year. So it's not like something you're constantly dealing with. But um, so I like how you said that it's kind of like a like a kindergarten teacher. Right. We're here to, like, build you up and then put you in your dream home. So my question um, and it kind of goes along with that. You kind of segue into that. So when people come to you, what's like the first thing you usually have to tell people? Like, what is something you wish people knew before they even contacted you? Okay, so before I an- before I actually answer mm-hmm. that question, let me just kind of go back to an experience I had in college. Yeah. I used to work at Best Buy, and I would have people come ask me questions about a five or ten dollar mm-hmm. item, right? So they just wanted clarification. They want to make sure it's going to fit their needs, fit the needs of their families or a loved one. So you you know you sit there, you might speak with them for ten or fifteen or twenty minutes, kind of explaining them to them how that's going to be- benefit their mm-hmm. lives. 
And that's for a 10 or 15 or 20 or $50 item. So now you have people like Christian who are looking at spending 200 or 300 or 400 or $500,000. They have to ask all the questions in mm-hmm. the world. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> you buy, this is the biggest purchase you'll ever make in your life. Yep. So you really have to comfort these individuals and let them know, Hey, this isn't, this isn't weird. Like these aren't bad questions and you just have to, cause I, I have had people come to me and say their previous realtor made them feel bad or they were negative, yep. mm-hmm. you know, and you know, you, you'll never, anybody who has dealt with me, they'll, they'll never give you that experience with I me because it. it really is our job to walk them through it. So, all right, now on to your question, which I think was you asking what's the very first thing that they need to do. Um, well, what, uh, what, when people come to you, like, what is the first thing you usually have to tell people? Uh, like, what do you wish they knew? Some, like, even before they contacted you, those might be two separate questions, mm-hmm. but yeah. <laughs> okay, great question. So, what I really try to tell people, I have to first, I want to build a rapport with them, and I let them know that the most important thing throughout this whole process is for them to be vulnerable mm-hmm. and be be realistic. You know, be be realistic with yourself because. Your lender is going to tell you one amount that you qualify for, but they're just going off of, of basic numbers like formula. Mm-hmm. You need to be comfortable. You need to have a budget set in place. And if the lender says, I can afford a $3,000 a month mortgage, but you know, hey, I have all of, the, all of these debts right. over here and I can really only go up to 2200 mm-hmm. comfortably, shoot, Shoot for shoot for twenty one hundred or right. something, just so you'll have a little bit of a little bit of room. But just never really just go by what the lender tells you you can afford. So just be realistic. That's the number one thing you need to do going into this process. So okay, so I appreciate that because one thing it wasn't until about I would say eleven years ago that I started learning what a budget is. That's not something that um, mm-hmm. I learned from my parents, which is very. Uh, common in our community, period, right? Like we just, a lot of our parents didn't teach us that. Now some, many did, but for the most part, um, it was it's difficult to teach something that you don't know. Uh, and so I, I didn't grow up with that knowledge, like my parents saying, hey, this is how you allocate these funds here or this here, you know, um, that just wasn't knowledge that I had. So it, again, it wasn't, I'm 33 and I was about 21, 22 years old before I learned like, um, what a budget is because I was just like, well, as long as I'm not broke, broke by the time my next check hits, I'm good. Right. Like that's like the thought, you know, um, as long as I'm not in the negative and that's kind of how a lot of people budget even today. Right. Um, and so Mm -hmm. when we're doing this, a lot of times you'll look better on paper than you actually are in real life. So like you said, the lender says, Oh, bet you got $3,000 here that, that you could be spending. But, that's not exactly how it is in real life. So we have to learn how to budget. So first things first, you're telling people, yo, you really, you really need to budget. Okay. Um, and be transparent about yeah. that. Be vulnerable because, yo, I'm telling you, when I, when we went to do this process, it was a super vulnerable, very uncomfortable thing because they're pulling everything. I mean, like you think you're just pulling your credit score is vulnerable, but no, like they're pulling every, what is this purchase? Like how, how often does this come out? What is this? You're like, dang, like I, it's almost, I don't know. It was, it was just like a really uncomfortable feeling because I'm like, I'm grown, grown. I don't need you like in my business like this. But yeah. again, you have to be vulnerable, like you said. So I totally get it. Yeah. These people are giving you, they're loaning you all of this money. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be like, 
their home until you actually own it. So, yeah, they're going to do a forensic audit on your Oh, absolutely. And they ain't playing no games. Like, if you're under a microscope, like, it's like, we're not playing with you. So, uh, very vulnerable. So, just be prepared for that when you're looking into it. And so, when you say, um, like, be realistic, right? Could you elaborate on that? What is being realistic uh, look like because you already know we sometimes we like things that shimmer and shine and you'd be like first of all you need something that looks like this block of coal so <laughs> so <laughs> tell us tell us what that look like so what do, what do you mean be realistic Rashad what you got oh, you just you just have to you know look in the neighborhoods that actually fit your budget you need to look at the models that fit your budget you need to look at your family situation mm-hmm. like you know if it's a husband, a wife, and two kids, you need to ask yourself, hey, does this particular price home fit our needs? Like, do we need to spend $350,000 on a 4,000-square-foot home? Right. If we're done, you know, we have two kids, we're done having kids. Uh, do we want to be in this particular neighborhood? Mm-hmm. You know, we just have to ask ourselves these difficult questions. Yeah. Did you say $250,000 home for 4,000 square feet? Three, well, three hundred fifty thousand, mm-hmm. just period. I'm just, I'm just throwing some yeah, things out there. We just need to. <laughs> I just have to throw that out there because my friends like, in California are like, "I'm sorry, what size for what?" My friends on the East Coast are like, "I'm sorry for <laughs> what to what?" You know, they talking about seven hundred thousand for twelve hundred square feet. So <laughs> that number, they like, oh, you yeah, know, yeah. that's why y'all moving out here. Y'all ain't got to keep um talking about Texas when y'all moving out here for these cheap houses, though. Anyway, so <laughs> okay, so just being. Well, hey, 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 you can't. So when we we moved here from Florida in 2007, mm. and I remember at the time I was looking at I think it was a Syntex mm-hmm. home in Mansfield or something, and I think we could have got about 4,600 square feet for around 199 um, or 205 at the time. I'm yeah, you can't. I cannot. I'm editing it. Folks do not even need to hear that so they can get their feelings heard. Do y'all hear that? (laughs) Just scratch that from the record. Oh, my gosh. You know, and that's crazy because there were massive houses out here. Um, And you're right during Mm -hmm. that time. We're going to talk about that time period, too, a little bit um, into the interview because that was was a hard time for, I mean, Mm -hmm. it was, right, we talk about buyer's market, seller's market, and all that. We'll get into that. But that that was definitely buyer's time. We were in there, right? People were like, what you mean I can get this 5,000 square foot house for two twenty thousand? Yes. You know, it was back in the seventies almost. Okay. Not I'm lying on that, but still. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Uh, I, this is kind of, um, this, this has been a question that kind of comes up often. So what are the benefits of like, what are the pros and cons of buying a new build versus like an already built home? That's a great question. It's a really, really, really good question. So let me tell you the cons of buying a new home for the most okay. part. You're going to pay more money per square foot. Okay. Just that's the bottom line. For, you know, for the most part, you're going to. So if you compare uh, a brand new build in one particular community to a pre-existing home in a similar you know community close by, mm-hmm. you're going to pay more per square foot for the newer home. Mm-hmm. Okay. However, you are looking at some amazing warranties. You're looking at the fact that you're the first person to ever lived there. And just overall, you're getting a, you're just getting a new product. I will use a recent example. I have a client of mine, a really good client who I love dearly. And we had been looking for homes for months. I think we looked at about 20 homes and she had a particular 
you know, she had a particular goal in mind, a kind of home she mm-hmm. loved. And, you know, we went under contract for one home and it just had the inspector did his deal and he just found so many things. It was obviously a buy and fix up oh, and flip. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like from 1928, and it just had so many problems. But we agreed to get some things fixed, and they they didn't do everything that they were supposed to do. So we actually – it was just such a huge, long, drawn-out ordeal, mm-hmm. and we just ended up – she's actually going to buy a new build now because she sees, hey, I'm going to pay a little more for this new build, but I don't have to worry about all these underlying mm-hmm. issues that I had to worry about with these older homes. So there, there are pros and cons to each. You know, if you get a, if you get an older home, a pre-existing home, of course you should get a better deal as far as per square mm-hmm. foot. But you just don't know. Like even the best inspector isn't going to catch everything. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's kind of yeah. what I'm finding now. Like we, um, my home was built in '91. And so it was kind of interesting, like a lot of the things on our home were original, like from the oven to the ACs to the roof, like it. And y'all know hell damage. For those of you who live in Texas, you know hell damage in Texas. It was just mm-hmm. like a lot and a lot of unexpected expenses in the last two to three years. It'll be three years in February that we were like, whoa, like. And in the house, I mean, it looks beautiful aesthetically. It's a great house. You know what I mean? But it just seemed mm-hmm. like, and and we'll talk about this too, um, home warranties. Our home warranty really did help us out um, a lot. But yeah, it, it's, it's just a lot. And so, you know, with a new home, kind of what you're getting. Uh, but with the older homes, there's things come up and you're like, uh, like just things you didn't even think of. So it, it can be pretty difficult. Um, yeah. And, and part of what I said about being realistic is also realizing no matter which home you look at on the market, there's no perfect home. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I built my home in 2015. And when the inspector did his final inspection, mm-hmm. I mean, he found all kind of things. So it, it doesn't matter if it's a brand new home or a pre-existing home. There are going to be some flaws mm-hmm. and you just have to work with either the builder or the seller to try to get those things taken care of. So... When you see things like that on the inspection, um, does it do does the price of the home lower when you're saying um, like how how do you go about that? That's my question. So you built this brand new home and you're like, oh my dream home, I'm in love, and then the inspector goes, oh yeah, but this this and this and this and here's a scroll of things. What happens from there? What's the process? Well, with a builder, it's pretty simple. So I will speak with about Christian since we just mentioned mm-hmm. him with their situation you know we had the inspector go in he did a really good inspection and he found some things we kind of did a walkthrough he told us he walked us through some of the issues with the inspection and we took note and you know christian is a go-getter so christian actually was the one who emailed the builder the project Mm -hmm. manager with the, the builder and they got those things taken care of so if it was a pre-existing home normally what would happen is that I would make a list of the things that we found in the inspection mm-hmm. report and just let them, we would do like an amendment and in the amendment, these are the things that we're asking for. You do, you basically do this during the option period. So how it works is you, you go out and you find a home that you mm-hmm. like, then you want to put an offer on that home and you put an offer in the home and 
you have you pay a certain amount of money, maybe twenty dollars a day to ultimately say, hey, this is the house I want. And during that five to seven day period or three days, however many days that you and the seller agree to take the house, quote unquote, off the market so you can do your mm-hmm. inspections. Okay. Yeah. So if they, you know, it, it doesn't matter how horrible the inspection is or how good it is, whatever you find in that inspection report, you can negotiate with the seller who fixes it. Fixes it. Oh. And yeah. Yeah. So depending on the market, like there are some markets where sellers are, I'm not fixing anything. And people will still overpay for that home because they they just they want it desperately. Mm-hmm. And some there are some buyers that they won't even do an inspection. So it really just depends. But I do know that you know you can do so many you can negotiate so many different things from the buyer's end mm-hmm. when based off of the inspection. So you can say, hey, I want you to fix all of these things, or you can ask to reduce the price. So it really just depends. I've seen seen it from many different angles. So I, I actually, that's one of the things, I don't know what is wrong with my memory. Like, it's just so bad. I ain't done no drugs. I don't do drugs. I ain't done no drugs. I don't know why my memory is so bad. Cause my husband will be like, babe, you don't remember this part of the process. And I'm like, uh, no, right. This is like me all the time. But I do remember this part vividly because when, um, on our home alone, when they did the inspection, they found termites. Um, Mm -hmm. and so we went back, we said, no, like we're not buying a house that has termites. So they did, they treated it, the owners of the home, they treated it. And then the inspector came back out again and was like, okay, there's no sign of termites now. Um, and I remember them having to like redo that, like go out, check again, make sure everything was good. Uh, and so they did that around the entire like perimeter of the house and, so there were things, you know, that when we found, just like you said, the house, I mean, it was built in 91. Uh, and so um, there were things that it's not perfect. So we were like, oh, but this, this is going to cost quite a penny to like uh, to fix. So what can we go down with? And they were really reasonable people. So I, I also wasn't aware of the owner and buyer kind of relationship, if that makes sense. Like, you usually, I mean, I know there's usually like a middleman and you don't talk to them directly, but mm-hmm. it's, I didn't know, I, I don't know why in my brain that just didn't register that there is some kind of relationship. Like someone comes back and says, Hey, they said this. And then they're like, yes or no. And then I don't know. That was just a really interesting part of it too. So, okay. So we get a realtor, we say, Hey, this is what I'm looking for. This is realistically what I can buy. This is what I want. Right. Right. And then we begin looking for the home, right? We say, okay, then this is what would be in your budget, right? Uh, what what does a pre-approval do? Do I do that before I come to you? Do I? How does that work? So I've seen. So basically, how it will work, I guess I'll kind of walk you through the steps. So you say, hey, I want, I'm interested in buying a home. Does anybody know a good realtor? So then you start, you know, looking at potential realtors talking to them, interviewing them. And then when you settle on one that you really feel deep down inside is going to have your best interest at heart mm-hmm. and you trust that person, then what you're going to end up doing is you're, you're going to sign like a buyer's representation agreement. And that's basically just saying, hey, I agree to use you as my realtor and, and you're going to be the one to help me find my home. I'm not going to use anybody else. And it's really protection for you and the agent. Okay. Ultimately, in case anything comes up later, but that y'all, you sign a buyer's rep agreement. We have some other forms we have to give you as far as like a information about brokerage services form, which kind of, kind of explains the 
the broker aspect to the to the potential client. Okay. And then then we go out, you know, you tell me what you're looking for, I find those things and then we you know, if you find a home that you really really like, well, I'm sorry, I have to go back a little bit. Yes, actually once you know you're serious about buying a home and mm-hmm. that's something you want to do, the first thing I usually do is say, okay, here are two or three lenders that I trust and that I have done business with in the past. Nice. Con- yeah, contact them and just like you drilled me, mm-hmm. do the same thing with them and just ask them whatever question you have. These these are some sample questions you can ask and just kind of interview these two or three lenders and you know, get pre-approved or get pre-qualified for for a loan. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I, when I was a brand new agent, I went out there. I, I took a took a client out. I was just super happy. I had my first client. Listen, and yes, <laughs> we, I love it. We, we looked. It, she she found a home. She was like, "This is the home. This is it." It was like three hundred forty nine thousand dollars. And we actually when we when we actually went to get her. Pre-qualified, she qualified for about two hundred five. Oh so, my gosh! You like no? You were so green. Yeah. You was like, we finna do this, girl. Yeah. You qualify for fifty dollars in a fish uh, basket. I don't know what your credit. <laughs> oh, but, but that hurt. I don't, That's I don't, that hurt. I don't, I don't. I don't blame it on her, like mm-hmm. because you know people are, you know, just naturally we want things sometimes that we can't necessarily have, and we don't yeah. do the read like. I just see this house that's three, four, five hundred thousand dollars. I'm not thinking about what the mortgage payment is. Sometimes, right. you know, if I if I'm not well versed on mortgages, like I just want this house and I'm gonna get it. And as the realtor, our job is to, you know, save everybody time. Like mm-hmm. in a dream situation, you know, you view maybe three or four homes, and one of those three or four homes is the house that you're gonna put an offer in on and get that offer accepted, and then close and move into the home. Okay. So. I, I look at it like I felt my client because I didn't get her pre-qualified mm. before going to look at home. So it's okay. very important that you, yeah. So some people, I've had people contact me and say, hey, I've already been pre-qualified for a mortgage. I'm ready to start looking. And then some, most of the people I deal with say, hey, I have no idea where to start. Right. So kind so of another thing I that. Put in touch. Perfect. So that's kind of another thing that you would have people do even before they reach out, right? It's like. Um, maybe getting pre-qualified would help you and then it would make the process a little bit easier, do you think? Oh, a hundred times easier. I mean, even if even if you get pre-qualified using one of the lenders I recommend and you mm-hmm. say, I did not like that Rashad dude. Like, I'm going to use another realtor. I'm like, you know, that's fine. I just, at least I got you pre-qualified. Right. You know, that's just because you could look at a, a million homes on the market and you could you can window shop all you want or shop Zillow all you want, but if you cannot afford it, it's just mm-hmm. a waste of your time, you know? Definitely got it. So you kind of yeah. said something a little bit earlier that um, I, I really want to hit on because this is the part when I tell you this is this is it, that every year it comes up and I don't understand it. I have to be, expl- like, someone has to explain this. And it's my dear husband, Lord bless him for how many times. <laughs> He has to be like, babe, this is what this is. And he's so patient with me. But when we're talking about buying a house, what the heck is escrow and equity and even the mortgage? Because I found out that like what we pay every month is a part of that is the mortgage. A part of that is this. A part of that. So like 
I'm thinking whatever we pay a month, right, that thousand something that I pay every month is the mortgage. But then people are like, like now I know, right, because I look at my paperwork, but it's like only this amount is the mortgage and then these other things are in there. So can you just break those down and explain what the heck? I guess probably starting with the mortgage would be easier and then tell me okay. what escrow and equity and all that is. Perfect. Great question. Great question. So let me dive into this a little bit. So I'm just, I like using round numbers. So let's say you close on your house today and your, your total payment is a thousand dollars. Okay. So let's say 750 out of that is going to be your principal and interest. Okay. So that's going directly to the house. Yeah. 750 is going directly to the mortgage company to pay down your mortgage. So depending on your rate, Let's say if you got a, you can get a 30-year or 15. So if you get a 15-year mortgage, more of that payment is going to go towards the principal. Principal, correct. If you get most, yeah, most people get a 30-year. So let's assume you're doing a 30-year mortgage, mm-hmm. and let's assume you have a, let's say a 3% rate. I'm just going to do a nice little rate, and so out of that 750 a month, let's say, let's say 450 or 400 is going towards principal. So that's what's paying down that mortgage every month. It, the the rest of that 750 is going to interest. That's just the cost of doing business with this bank. Gotcha. And that's that's how they're making their money. So then the other $250, that goes into an escrow account. And what the escrow account does, it pays your taxes and in your insurance at the end of the year. Your mortgage company directly does that. Okay. And yeah, so there you're you're basically giving them this money to hold into an escrow account and they're earning interest on your money and then they will pay your taxes and insurance at the end of the year on your behalf. Yeah. So, and the only thing that is fixed during the life of a mortgage will be that principal and interest payment. Basically that other 250, that can be 255 next year, a 300 the next year or, or, or 500. I mean that your payment will never stay the same. Like, okay. you know, people, people freak out because they might have a shortage in their escrow because their taxes went up. And mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. I know in Tarrant County where I am, if I'm not mistaken, the maximum that your, your tax value can go up in any year is 10%. So that's going to adjust. And, but my, even my personal taxes went from like one Thirty-four a month to one eighty-one a month mm-hmm. for my house. So, yeah, that, and, that's basically escrow. So I was gonna say that's that is perfect, and I understand it today. But when it come up next year, I'm gonna be like, oh, one more time, Rashad, you say it. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just say this too. In what was it like, two thousand seven to what, like two thousand nine, ten? Right? We had mm-hmm. so many people losing their homes. And a Mm -hmm. large part of that was this, like people not understanding escrow. I mean, my family was a victim of that. Like just so many people around me that I knew lost their homes uh, because of this very situation that you're talking about right now. So what causes um, an escrow? So you kind of mentioned a little bit, right? Like taxes going up. Is there anything else like um, that causes people, uh, people's mortgages to go up? Because what, one thing that I've realized is when you, um, especially if you don't have a lot of the, like a lot of knowledge, like I didn't, right? And like I don't because that is present tense. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. 
what I'm realizing is that you put all this money down or whatever, and we'll talk about that too. And then you see this mortgage and you go, okay, bet that's going to be my mortgage. That's doable. And then the next year, which is what happened to us, we got this letter in the mail saying, yo, you can pay, I think it was like 5,000 out of pocket, or you can have your mortgage go up. And I want to say, I can't even remember the numbers. I feel like it was like 500 a oh month or it was like something like crazy so we had to end up paying this like money out of pocket and we were like and it still went up like a, a maybe a hundred or somewhere around there but th- that was shocking for me as like this new homeowner right because i'm thinking oh i paid this boom we good you know and mm-hmm. then i get this letter and my friend was like that's when my friend put me on some free game and was like yo you got to contest them taxes every year and so um, I, I was just like, I was so confused. I didn't do it. It went up. We're still having to pay that amount. Um, but that was that was a lot. So what are some things that we can do uh, that would keep that from happening? Is there anything we can do? Or is this like one of them inevitable things? Yeah, good question. Great, great, great question. So first of all, one of the things that can cause a mortgage payment to go up is if you get like an adjustable rate mortgage, but it does not sound like that's in that had anything to do with why your payment went up. Not at all. Okay. So one thing that I tell everybody to do is to do the homestead exemption, like Mm -hmm. hands down, it's going to save you some money. Do homestead exemption as soon as possible. If I'm not mistaken, I think you can do, if you're living in the house on January 1st, you can do the homestead exemption exemption. Take care of that. That's going to lower your taxes. What is that? I've never, I don't know if I've heard that. That's basically like, okay, this is my primary residence. It's Mm -hmm. not a rent to, it's, you know, this is the only residence that I use for primary purposes. So everybody should be able to get a homestead exemption for their primary residence. So what you need to do, like even you and I talking right now, like when you get off the phone with me, you will go to your to your tax page, like your uh, appraisal district, whatever district you're in, whatever county you're in, whatever their appraisal district is. Yeah. And just check your, your address and your, your name. And it should tell you whether or not you have a homestead exemption on your home. And that keeps your taxes from going up. No, no, it doesn't keep your taxes from going up. It just gives you like a, it minimizes the value. It gives you like an exemption. So instead of saying, yeah, so instead of saying your home is worth two hundred thousand, it might say it's only worth one fifty or something. It'll give like a so it might save you eight hundred dollars a year on taxes or something like that. So is this the same that my friend was telling me about? Because we get that letter in the mail every year that's like if you want to contest your taxes or whatever, um, or contest no, like different. the value. Okay, so that's okay. So tell me about that because that's what my friend, my best friend, she was like, "Girl, quit playing." I do it every year, and my uh, mortgage has never gone up. So could you talk to us a little bit about that and what that does? Yeah, great question. So basically every year they are going to send you the proposed property valuation. So what you really need to do at that point, you need to look and see what your previous value was and what your current value is. And okay. most of the time it's going to be an increased value. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. so what you need to do, yeah, so you can either write in or you can go online and contest Mm-hmm. the value. Now, technically they're usually in the ballpark figure. So cuz they use like they use their own little system for appraisals and things like that. But if you're going to contest it for the most part if it's going to you know if it's going to go to court, then you have you're supposed to be able to back up the valuation that you give. 
Okay. Now, you know, I have gone online myself and contested it every year. And there have been some years where they say, okay, we're going to counter your, your proposed value. So um, I love using round numbers once again. So let's say they tell me my house is worth 200 in 2019. And now they're saying your house is worth 205. Okay. Or let's say two, let's say 210. But I say, no, my house is only worth 200. Mm -hmm. And they might come back. I've gotten it where they might come back and say, it's worth 205. You have the option to accept this now. Or if you don't agree to this 205, then you can you can come to court and uh, provide your evidence on why you think it's actually worth 200 instead of 205. Okay. And then the evidence is like pictures of the home, things that that like certain things right in the home that would depreciate the value of the home. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, you can take pictures and showing like there are a a bunch of missing wood panels on the floor. The the granite countertop is broken. A sink doesn't work. Just you can take whatever you want and let them know, hey, if I, you know, this house isn't worth this. Now, yeah, I'm not sure what the success rate is. I just, I usually, I have never done that. Like if if, if they challenge me, usually I'm like, I'm not dealing with it to go to court to save an extra $15 a month on my taxes. Yeah, I'm, right. I'm just not going to do it. But that's right. just me. You know, if if it's an individual where that extra 15 to $25 a month is going to have a huge, you know, yeah, it, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I would totally tell them, do whatever you can to lower your taxes, you know? That makes so much sense. And this is, I, I wish someone had given me this information three years ago. Um, because it was just so much that I didn't understand, especially, I I can't keep saying, especially with the escrow, um, because an escrow, for some reason, equity and escrow, I don't know why I always do this, but I like, I get them confused. So I'm like, well, what's the escrow in the house? And my husband's like, why are we worried about that? (laughs) And I'm like, oh, wait, I meant equity. So can you hit that too? Because that was one of them. So the escrow, the mortgage, and then what is equity in the home? Oh, 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 oh. Let me back up really quick. When we are doing like the contesting taxes and we say, you were saying, well, I'm going to fight this. My house is only worth 200000 Does that affect anything when you go to sell your home? You know what I'm saying? Like, can you like, can you then sell it for the real, you know what I'm saying? Which is like 220 or 225 but you've been contesting it at 200 this whole time. Is there any negative effect to that? I meant to ask that. Not at all. So basically, there there are two things. If you are a seller, if you're an owner of a home, you want your tax value to be as low as possible, but you want your actual appraised market value to be as high as possible. Mm. So, so you might have a house that is worth 165 in the the Tarrant Appraisal District right now. You can go look it up, and it says 165. It might be on the market for. 272 right now okay you know just because it's based off of of recent home sales and that's what the actual appraiser looks at so yeah it doesn't have any bearing on it at all this is the most expensive i've seen homes in texas or i mean i guess period around um the state's period but like i can only speak for texas this is the highest i've ever seen homes like homes in my Mm -hmm. neighborhood that usually would sell for like i don't know like a four bedroom two bath uh let's say 2,500 square foot house uh, would usually be, I don't know, probably 230, right? I just saw one on the market for like 295. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, just last year, this house would have absolutely been 
I, I, honestly, I'm even going to go lower. Like, I've seen houses in my neighborhood that are, like, 205, like, in this area. You know what I'm saying? And so to see these houses now, like, hitting at 300 almost, what like, what causes that? Like, what what causes that fluctuation in the market like that? <clears throat> well, just uh, once it becomes, once, once you get to a point of scarcity, like, where there's not enough homes on the market mm-hmm. for the demand, then it, it gets ridiculously crazy, like, you know, I've seen homes that hit the market. There was one house that my wife and I, we looked at one day and I, I scheduled an appointment to go look at the house. Mm-hmm. And I found out that the that morning, within maybe 20 minutes, they had an offer and they had an approved contract. I was like, that in the house is, yeah, <laughs> it was just, it was just unreal, you know? Yeah. And dang. I mean, it, it, so it is as a as an individual who deals primarily with buyers it has been extremely frustrating mm-hmm. you know yeah. just because you have these homes that when you go look back in the history mm-hmm. it sold for let's say $200,000 5 yep. years ago now it's listed at 275 and yep you're like wow you know I, i've had some buyers that have i've had a few buyers that have priced themselves out of the market by by waiting mhm Yep. You know, it was just because the demand is so high right now. I remember talking to one of my neighbors, um, and again, full disclosure, my house was like two sixty five and the value was like intense right now. But when we bought it, uh that's what it was. And so or that's what we paid for it, right? So the we're talking to a lady in our neighborhood and she said, Oh yeah, we bought our house back in two thousand eight and their house is very similar built to ours. Um uh probably high 2,000 square feet, 20, probably 28, 2,900. Uh, and she was like, we got ours for 125. I said, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> she was like, wow. yeah, ours was, I mean, we, it was a still of a home, 2008 to the 125. I couldn't even, I was like, I will fight you right here on your porch. I cannot yep. even understand <laughs> those numbers, like 125. Nope. And the house is, I mean, that's a nice size house. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, mm-hmm. so it, it is crazy how, how times have changed and all of that. So, okay, now let's go back. What is equity? What is equity in a home? Okay, so equity in a home, I think in, in layman's terms, I, I guess the best way to explain it will be if you take the value of your home, so what you could sell your house for today, mm-hmm. and subtract it from what you owe on the home. So you your home is worth 300,000 mm-hmm. you owe 200,000 the equity is 100,000 okay so yeah ultimately your principal payment every month goes to reduce the equity mm-hmm. and then whatever appreciation that you have in the value of your home will go to increase the equity as well gotcha. so there are two things yeah there are two things that increase your equity and that is the uh, you know your acceleration of your mortgage pay pay down and the appreciation of the value of your home. Gotcha. Okay. So equity is good. We want equity. We want to try to create as much equity as possible. Um, this is just a side note, like a little quick side question. But when we talk about um, making just one extra payment a month, like I've heard people say that I listen to financial shows all the time. Like, mm-hmm. uh, like all the financial gurus are like, if you could just make one payment, like what, what is the benefit of that? Can you tell our listeners, like, what is the benefit of that one extra payment a month or, or a year? Sorry. Yeah. So if you can make like one extra payment per year that goes directly 
towards principal, if I'm not mistaken, over the life of your 30-year mortgage, I believe it can cut it down to around 23 years. Wow. Because, yeah, because it's, it's something called compound interest. So mm-hmm. more compound interest in a mortgage is working against you while compound interest like in uh, mutual funds or index funds, those are working for you. So okay. the quicker you can reduce the balance, the interest, uh, the interest is lowering. So the amount of interest you pay on, you know, if it's 99000 that you owe as opposed to 100000 that you owe, the interest is going to be less. Okay. So okay. if every year you are knocking that down by a certain amount, that's just less interest. So it's like compound interest going in reverse, you know? Gotcha. So you're just taking that yeah. off of it. Um, yes. th- that is something like I, so just like taking what you would normally pay for your regular mortgage, like let's say your mortgage is 1500 You're going to take that amount now and then you're going to just put it towards principal and you have to guys this is one thing that i learned you have to be very careful with this because if you just pay an extra payment of 1500 they don't know where that's going like they'll just put it like you literally have to go online or you know for those of you who are still like paper people whatever you have to make sure that they understand that your mortgage company understands and that there is a place for it usually online you can go and it'll say like make a payment uh if it's like some you know i have myself on auto draft but there's still a place to say make a payment um, and then it'll tell you, like, does this go to uh, principal, interest, whatever, whatever. And you have to make sure that that goes to principal. Uh, that was mm-hmm. That's like an easy mistake that can be made where you're just kind of throwing money. And it's uh, it, like you're just like later on, wait, I, I thought I'd been paying uh, principal this whole time and you have not been. Mm-hmm. So exactly. that that's that's something that's important, too. See, I'd be learning yep. some things. Um, <laughs> you're you, like, do. you do. You do a good job. <laughs> See, and this is how I know, y'all, for those of you are li- who are listening, this is how I know Rashad is an educator because everything I ask, he's like, great question. I'm like, yeah, that was a good question. <laughs> I already feel like my confidence building throughout this <laughs> interview. I'm like, yeah, that was a good question, Felicia. You did a good job. I'm like patting myself on the back. So <laughs> You really are doing a great job. <laughs> I appreciate that. Listen, it is my um, friends um, and listeners. I asked them, yo, I got this person coming on what y'all want to know you know uh so thank you listeners for giving really good questions to keep this going but um mm-hmm. another thing oh my gosh so my for every almost every year no i think every year i have to teach the history of redlining and i didn't want to like throw this out there really quick but um it is for the next question uh I, because I want to know what are some of the like most predatory practices you've seen as a real estate agent when it comes to our folks, right? Um, yeah. And so, anyway, I have to I have to teach every year. Like, there's some story that we read or something that relates to redlining, and I have to explain that to our kids, uh, to my mm-hmm. students. And so, but you, you know, being on this end, the real estate agent, I just want to know, what have you seen that you know every time you see you're like, damn it, this disproportionately affects my community? Wow, that's an amazing question. It really I'm is. So, so I, good. I, Thank you. I, Thank yeah, you. I'm, so, I'm so excited to, <laughs> I'm so excited to dive into it. You know, I have thankfully had a, such a diverse group of clients mm-hmm. and I can I can sit here and say that I have not experienced anything yet with my clients Mm -hmm. that I'm aware of. Yeah, that I'm aware of. Mm -hmm. But I do know that there have been some incidents of some subprime mortgages against African-American 
buyers. But uh, let me tell you the most recent thing that I, the most recent story that I read was in refinancing. So there are some people that, you know, they refinance to lower their rates or they might refinance to do a cash out or, you know, do a home improvements or something like that. Mm -hmm. So I, I saw a story where there was a home that was appraised and the appraisal value, once again, a round number, the appraisal value was $400,000. Mm-hmm. But the appraisal, like a comp was $550,000 for the same same house, mm-hmm. you know, same a similar house in the, in the same neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So they were like, you know, the buyers were, so it was actually like an African-American male and his white wife. Mm-hmm. And they were like, you know what, this this just isn't right. So what happened was they... They they did it again, and instead, like they took down all of the pictures that mm-hmm. took away all the black everything that was this. blackness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And then they had he brought his friend in, his white friend, his mm-hmm. male friend, and I, I guess maybe it was the his white wife. So his white friend was acting as he stayed there, and then his white white wife was was there as well. And there were no pictures. So there was, Mm -hmm. you know, anything that resembled blackness was removed. Mm -hmm. And then the value magically went up to. It was like 165,000. Yeah, it was. I remember that post going viral. Like I remember, and a lot of my real estate agent friends were, uh, were posting that because it was shocking. And it's crazy to me because just when you think you know all about discrimination, you get hit with something else, you know? And you're like, yeah, yeah. dang, they appraising our... And, and then you go, why wouldn't they appraise our... Duh, I should have known this, right? But it's crazy uh-huh. that, like, in every turn, every, like, we have to be prepared for something else, you know? So, yeah, yeah I, I yeah. definitely remember seeing that that post. And I screenshot it because I was like, yo, this is crazy. Like, do you, did, did y'all know this? And so we had a, a whole conversation about that because I was so shocked about... And I don't know why I continue to be shocked about discrimination. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. I was, I, like, it's a funny thing. I was now. just thinking. <laughs> I was thinking when you said you were shocked, I was like, are, are you, were you really shocked? You know? Like, come like, on now. Stop, stop playing Felicia. Like, you know. <laughs> but I think, and it's the same thing, right? It's kind of like when Trump says something and you're like, you are you just continue to be shocked. Like, you shouldn't be, but you're like, it just can't keep getting worse. It's like, you're just like, stop this. <laughs> like, what is happening? Like, and every time, it doesn't matter. How, I don't care, y'all. I don't care. I just still be shocked. Like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I need to like be Like, you better. can't believe something has been said or done. I can't. I'm like, I understand. why has this not been stopped? Like, what were y'all, oh, what are y'all doing? Okay, so, um, you know, I, I appreciate that because I know that there are a lot of things that, um, and I, I think, too, I have to say this because it's so important. I think that some of the most predatory practices happen when you are unlearned. Right. And Mm -hmm. so I think that that is a lot of kudos to you. And some of it may be, you know, covert still, but because of your knowledge and the knowledge that you give your buyers. Right. um, It's not that you're I don't want to say that you're you're more likely to identify those things. Right. And when you come Mm -hmm. in with knowledge, people are less likely to try to screw. Well, they might not be less likely to try to screw you, but they're less likely to be able to get over on you, right? Uh, because you have the knowledge and the understanding, and that's what that that's what's vital for our community is that we when we go in, we have that knowledge. We can say, Mm-mm, "That's not right." Like just like the experiment where he was like, "Let me go ahead and take all these pictures down," 
uh, and see what the issue really is. Because if these houses in my neighborhood are selling for this, this doesn't make sense, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. So I, I just appreciate that. And there's so much when it comes to home ownership that we just, we don't, we don't know. Um, and so I'm trying to, I'm learning every day. Oh, another thing. I just called the other day to see about refinancing. So we refinanced last year. And for those of you who listen to my, um, other podcast about life insurance, uh, you know, that when my mom passed, you know, we got a little bit of money. And so we refinanced and, uh, put a lot, uh, quite a bit of money down on the house. So at the time, I think that was a, yeah, a year, a little bit over a year ago, um, we refinanced the house, <clears throat> excuse me, and um, they gave us the best rate possible at that time. They were like, look, uh, and our credit scores, just again, complete vulnerability, This, I mean, transparency, this is not a flex, this is just accurate. Like, so our credit score is in the excellent range, right? So they were like, oh, bet, like, you guys, this is what this is the best possible AP, uh, uh, mortgage rate that we can give you at the time, right? And it was 4%. Now, oh. right, right. And that was the best. Mm-hmm. They were like, yo, this is the best we can give you. And Rashad, I'm going to have to tell you off, off record after we done with this how much we put down on this house because it was ridiculous. Like, the refinance, mm-hmm. I'm like, you mean to tell me we're putting this much down? And we're cutting this, like, this much off this house. And you, the bet you can give me is a four. And so, anyway, this year I have friends buying houses and they're like, yo, my, my APR is a two. Is APR, right? Is that what they're calling it with that two? Yeah, yeah, okay. two. Yep. I'm like, wait, is, it, is that just for cars, APR? <laughs> like, credit cards and cars? Anyway, so they were like, my APR is a, at 2%. So I'm like, okay. So then, again, still have credit in the excellent range, both my husband and I. I call again to see, like, what about refinancing to get it down to a 2? The lady's like, oh, we can only do a 2.9. I'm like, yo, mm-hmm. like, I know, like, with the amount of money that we make a year, how much we have in our accounts, like, all of this stuff should be factors, but y'all are telling me that I'm still, like, this high. You know what I'm saying? So I was yeah. a little frustrated by that. Um, it, what what factors, the question that I wanted to ask from that is, like, what factors am I not seeing? Like, what... We make more money than we did uh, last year, Uh, to be honest, significantly more because my husband uh, changed jobs. So we make more money now. We and and when I called to just get like the estimate, I was kind of shook because I was like, you can only do me a two point nine nine. Like, what 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 am I what am I possibly missing? Should I go with someone else? Should I figure? Well, I guess that would be a whole other loan and they wouldn't be able to just I don't know. Just talk to me because I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> I need to know. Yeah, all the info. yeah. So I could, I, I can immediately identify what I think your issue is, mm-hmm. and I think it is loyalty. Mm-hmm. So, uh, did you refinance with the company that you had your original mortgage with last Surely year? Surely did, because I didn't. We again yeah. didn't know anything. Why would we search around? Didn't think about it. Yeah. So I have a client who actually just got a pre-approval for like a two point two five or two point three five for thirty year. That was my. And that was my friend. Yeah, see, and, and I think I know her credit score is great. Like she has, I think she will be in a excellent range as well. Maybe mm-hmm. a little whatever the next tier is. Mm-hmm. But if you what you need to do, and I I have resources as well. What you need to do is just shop around. There's mm-hmm. online online programs. There's just different different lenders who can you can probably actually even you could probably refinance into a 15 year mm-hmm. at a much lower rate and pretty pretty much keep 
the same payment. Like that's how much lower going from a like a four to wow. a two point two five is. Yeah. So just you need to look at your options. And a lot of people they have loyalty. I don't have no loyalty company. like that. I just didn't know where to go. So let me just make sure y'all yeah, understand yeah, that. See, so so, <laughs> so it, it's it's not necessarily like loyalty, loyalty. Yeah. It could just be like exactly what lo- I just loyalty said, to the point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like man, I just this is convenient. Mm-hmm. Like I let, they can mm-hmm. just quickly do it. They already have all my stuff. I don't feel like doing this again. But if you take the time and just go through the miserable process of, yeah. you know, doing a credit pull and just going through applications and th- and, and submitting documents, mm-hmm. then you'll get a much better rate than two point nine percent. Okay, so quick question because they were like, we can roll all of the fees um, into just your next mortgage, right? Like, or they were like, we could put it on the back end of your, of your loan. So if I go to someone else, am I then going to have to pay for those things out of pocket? Like, cause they were like, well, refinancing is probably going to be like five to 7,000. Can other companies do that same thing where they just put it on my, um, on my loan or do I have to pay that five to seven or whatever out of pocket? Yeah. So I don't want to actually pretend to be a mortgage Broker, however, okay. there are various programs out there that will allow you. I mean, it, it might be something that they call a quote unquote no cost refi when we all know there's no such thing as oh, no cost. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no yeah, cost down, probably, no cost in that second. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they could probably like roll in those fees into your into your payment and have a higher rate mm-hmm. than you normally would have if you pay those fees at closing or something. But okay. I think regardless of how you make it, regardless of how you structure it, I think that you will do far better than 2.9% and definitely far better than what you have at 4%. You know? Okay. Well, that's all you got to say. I'm going to talk to you after this call because um, <laughs> once we hang up, I'm going to be like, so we're shy. Okay, so um, <laughs> let's talk about just um, what you were saying right now about uh, programs. What are some programs that uh, maybe first-time homeowner, by, uh, homeowner buyers or other people, like what are some programs that we just don't know about? Because there's apparently there's a ton out there, so I don't uh, obviously I don't want you to speak on all of them. But what are some kind of basic or common programs that um, you feel are maybe underused, especially for uh, for us that that could be used? Great question. So there are a ton of programs out there, and really, some of them are specific to a local area and like a city or okay. a municipality or something. So yeah, depending on where your listeners live, they need to do research in their particular city and, you know, see what kind of programs they have. But I will tell you about a national program that hands down is the best program out there. It's actually called the the best mortgage in America. I don't know if you've heard of NACA. Uh, I don't think so. Okay. So NACA is, is NACA.com and you basically with the program, there's no down payment. There are no closing costs. The rate is lower than any other rate out there. There are no fees. It's it's an amazing product. And that's how my wife and I bought our house in 2015. So basically mm-hmm. how it works is you already start out with a lower interest rate than, than any other company, but they allow you to buy down your rate. So if you have, if you're getting a 30 year mortgage, every 1% that you use toward buy down, you are buying your rate down a quarter of a percent. So let's just say, let's just say today the rates, the the rate is 3% today and the house is $100,000. So mm-hmm. 
for every thousand dollars that you pay the bank for every thousand dollars, you're going to bring your rate down a quarter of a percent. So if you if you pay a thousand dollars for a hundred thousand dollar house, your rate's going to go from let's say three percent to two point seven five percent. What? If you pay, yeah, if you pay four thousand dollars up front, then your rate's going to go from three percent to two percent. This is the game I need to be getting right here. Good. Is this oh, only yeah, for absolutely. first time buyers though? No, it's not for only first-time buyers, but you cannot own a home, and you it can't be your second home. You have to either sell your current house if you own one, or you okay. need to not own a house. But, so you can't be you in, know, you can't be under like a mortgage company at that moment when you do it. Is what you're saying? Yeah. So you, okay. Yeah. So basically, right now, like if you if you and your husband say, "Hey, I want to buy a house. I want to upgrade. I want to get a bigger house. Or I want to move," mm-hmm. you can go. You can start going through the program. So it's basically you have to sign up for a workshop, and they're now all virtual. You sign up for a workshop. They 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 basically walk you through the process and let you know how it's gonna go, and then you're gonna have an intake with a mortgage consultant, and that's when they're gonna you know they're gonna do like a hardcore forensic audit and tell you what you're gonna qualify for and what you need to do mm. to qualify and how long it's gonna take. So the the program is amazing. We went through a program actually to this day. We, like we were the first. They started the 15-year mortgage with NACA in 2015, and we were the first family in Texas to do a 15-year mortgage. At Come the time. on in, trailblazers. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I guess I felt like a trailblazer at the time. Yeah. And because the the beautiful thing about their 15-year mortgage is that I was telling you about the the buy down option with a 50 with a 30-year earlier. Well, with a 15-year, every one percent you put down, you buy your rate down half of a percent so you know and i I, yeah like no joke so at the day we closed or the day we locked our rate the rate was 2.875 this was in 2015 so we locked that 2.875 but we got we got buyer we got builder funds we got about seventy five hundred dollars from the builder then we threw in like another forty five hundred of our own money Mm -hmm. and we were able to buy the rate down from 2.875 to 0.125 0.125 like um, literally no i'm hanging up yeah i'm hey, i cannot i, <laughs> I cannot <laughs> sir you you might as well oh, now we got negative 75 apr they owe us money what is happening <laughs> oh my gosh um, well hey 2015 was it was a different time with with builders like and that's true they were they were yeah they were begging you to come through mm-hmm. the door and buy a house so we got i got like Fifteen thousand dollars in quote unquote free upgrades. Then we got like seventy five hundred dollars to use for closing costs. But with NACA, there are no closing costs, so we were able to use that for our buy down. So goodness, you know, yeah. So so we were speaking of we were talking about escrow. Mm-hmm. So with my escrow, my my taxes and insurance is twelve oh four a month, like twelve oh four ninety a month, and out of that twelve oh four ninety like $13.12 went to interest last month because I got such a good mortgage with NACA. Yep. And it's, it's a, so the more in Texas, the bank that they utilize is bank of America. So it's like a 100% legitimate mortgage. It's I wish, a conventional mortgage. I wish no we PMI. were live so y'all could see my face right now because I'm uh, so, it's that like, you know, the Kanye meme where he like leans back and he's like, bruh, yeah, <laughs> like, <yeah. laughs> like that's how I'm feeling right now. Like, I'm just like, 
uh, oh my gosh. Okay. Like <laughs> that is, but that's, that's what I love. Like, I love to see people winning. I'm absolutely jealous, but that is incredible. Like that's incredible knowledge to have, like to be able to utilize. That's beautiful. I, I need everybody to be able to do that. Like, that's incredible for me. I just, yeah. Ooh, let me Thank sell this you. house. And, and I <laughs> am, I, <laughs> hey, there's nothing wrong with that. Like I am a, I'm a NACA approved realtor so mm-hmm. i've been through the training so i've had a couple of clients i actually have a few clients going through NACA right now and i have my in-laws they use NACA because once like literally once they see my interest rate and they see what my testimony with mm-hmm. NACA like no they're like oh i'm there's no way i'm using anybody else of and I, course. I, you know yeah NACA is just uh, you know everybody's not gonna go through NACA like it, it it's a, a very 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 stressful and difficult process because mm-hmm. It, it really is you know, like you're letting these people into your lives. They want right. to know everything. Like they look every at every dime. expense in your mm-hmm. every dime, and they want to know what you're what you're doing. You know, so you know, and and they're they might ask you for the same documents 150 thousand times. And yep. And sometimes, it's, it's and long that's and how stressful. that's how we tend to give up on things. You know, when you got somebody looking at your documents, and they're going, "I see here, you ordered two toppings on your pizza." Yeah, was that, was yeah, that necessary, yeah, yeah. right? And you're like, hey, bro, I like pepperoni and I like black olives. Like, can I get? Uh-huh. And they're like, not if you want this house, bro. That's not how that's going to work. So, I mean, <laughs> I get it. Like, that is, it. it is a tedious process. But in the end, I mean, look at, we're, we're looking at the benefits of, you know, everything that you just said. That's incredible to me. So, Rashad, you... I, I feel like I'm in awe every episode. Like, I just, like, the knowledge that all of the guests bring is just unbelievable. Um, but I just wanted, this is this is my last question to you. Um, so I didn't want to make this too long because we could go forever because I can tell you're passionate about it. I want, my, I want our community to know about this. I just love it. But can you tell um, us, if you could just give one piece of advice to those who are listening, especially our community, what, when it comes to buying a home, what would that advice be? Buy what you can afford, like hands down. You know, if if you buy a house and you can't afford the house, it goes from a blessing to a curse. Mm. So, like I said earlier, be realistic, do your research, get with a realtor that you trust, get with a lender that you trust, and, you know, just don't, don't, don't buy a house based off of anybody else's expectations or anybody else's experience. Just you sit down and you map out a plan for yourself and just buy something that you can truly afford. And I've even told some people to base what you can afford off of the lower income earning spouse mm, in the household. If, you if know? so, if you if if that if you were to only have to that income, right, like then. Mm-hmm. That that's that's really good advice. Then could you still be able to maintain? Um, and that's what my husband yeah. says all the time. He's like, I just don't, I can't, I do not want to be house poor, right? Um, yeah. I'd rather live in a tiny house um, and one that's affordable uh, than one that's too big and, you know, we can't take vacations or we can't enjoy anything because everything goes to the house, Right. Um, so I appreciate that. And I know that's, that's something that's really hard because we want to show that we made it, especially us, you know, and there's a whole history that goes with that, you know, why we got to feel like we, we need people to know that we made it right. Um, Mm -hmm. but making it 
is is not always a look, you know? And we got to we got to make sure that making it our idea of making it is really reflected in are we building generational wealth? Uh, can our kids have a happier and better life than we did, right? Uh, regardless, even if we had a great upbringing, we still want our kids to have a better one than us, right? So Absolutely. I just really appreciate that. Um, Rashad, you have been wonderful. Like, just so I think that's why it, uh, like, <laughs> uh, we've been, it's like an hour, over an hour now, and I, I feel like it's felt like 30 minutes. So, like, wow, um, yeah. can you tell people how to get in contact with you like we we got some questions for Rashad Muhammad we need we need all we got yeah we need all the info yeah yeah definitely so basically you can you can I text like I'm a I'm a serial texter like I text Listen, all the time. I'm so a you whole can... millennial. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be like looking at my phone. Why are you calling me? Just text Literally. Me. Ew. Ew. Bye. Like, weirdo. Like, what is that? What like, is this, yeah, the what 50s? Is calling? Like, no. <laughs> so oh, gross. my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you can you can text me. It's 682-408-9340. My email is realtorrashad at gmail.com. Those are the two best ways. Like, people just randomly text me all the time, ask me questions. And, you know, I, I just want people to be, like, whether or not you use me as a realtor, you know, I, I'll answer questions. Of course, I prefer that you give me the opportunity to serve you. Mm-hmm. But everybody, you know, everybody isn't meant for everybody. So just, you know, if you have any questions about real estate that, that weren't answered today, feel free to shoot me a text or, or send me an email and I will do my best to reply in a timely manner. I just thank you so much. Um, guys, y'all already know what it is. Um, I say it every time. Each one, teach one. Uh, you need to be telling your family, but did you know about that extra payment you need to be doing a month? But did you know, you know, this is what we need to do to buy a house? Uh, get that in order. And I hope that y'all learned some today because even as a homeowner, I learned a whole bunch today. Uh, a homeowner of three years now. So I just appreciate you, Rashad, all the knowledge that you dropped. Um, thank you for even speaking life into me throughout the podcast. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I, I just appreciate such an educator. Educators are hard. We just, we just, this is who we are. Um, so please, guys, follow me um, on Instagram and Facebook at Black Joy and Bootstraps. Uh, follow me on Twitter at BLK Joy and Boots. That's Black Joy and Boots. Uh, until next time, y'all, each one teach one. Hello. <laughs>